Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Jim Smith, CFO of Campus Apartments in Philadelphia, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 227. How as a finance leader are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Kurt Schmidt, CFO at San Carlos Apache Tribal Gaming Enterprise, a Native American casino business. Every time you you pull the handle or press the button, that's additional coin in. Coin in is a very important metric. Um, We look at the win per unit per day on slot machines. Kurt also shares his favorite pastime with us. Um, I'm a competitive meat eater. I, uh, my personal record is a 240-ounce or 15-pound prime rib. Listen to our complete interview with Kurt after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis. The very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hello, we're speaking to Kurt Schmidt, CFO at San Carlos Apache Tribal Gaming Enterprise, a Native American casino business. Kurt, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. This is certainly a first for us. We've not yet interviewed a finance leader from the world of Native American gaming, and uh, we are certainly intrigued and look forward to having shed some light on this unique realm for us. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and what prepared you uh, to be a finance leader. Well, it was kind of the, I think, the typical corporate ladder uh, path. Uh, I started off uh, as a controller and in private industry. And uh, after several years at the controller level, I received my first promotion to uh, the CFO position. And what industry were you part of? Well, I I spent 25 years in corporate America before joining the uh, Native American tribal gaming industry. The last 20 of those years was with a large uh, integrated dental uh, healthcare organization. And after 20 years, uh, to put it in accounting terms, I felt that my tenure there was no longer an appreciating asset. And so I felt uh, I was approaching age 50 at the time. I felt that uh, switching at that point uh, careers would be a good time for me. And I really wanted to move from dental to medical. I thought that would make a, a, a very seamless transition since there's so many similarities between the two industries. Uh, but when I started doing interviews, I, I kind of was expecting and, and hoping to obtain a, a hospital CFO position. The first question I'd always get, well, do you have any experience as a hospital CFO? And my answer was no. I tried to use the analogy that we had dental hospitals, but that just wasn't uh, getting me any further in the interview process. So it just so happened one day I was reading the newspaper ads 
back in the era when uh, the newspaper uh, uh, had the employment ads. And there was a uh, ad for a CFO at the uh, Ho-Chunk Casino in Wisconsin Dells. My wife and I were both gamers. I thought that sounds like a, a real fascinating industry. And the ad didn't uh, specify that any gaming experience was required. So I thought, oh, what the heck, I'll just throw my name in the hat. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up uh, getting the job. Well, we're going to want to talk to you some more about uh, your first day uh, on the uh, job there and what have you. But let's find out a little bit about the gaming industry today. Can you tell us a little bit about the current landscape uh, for this casino and its gaming enterprise? Well, the one big trend in, in gaming over the last, uh, say, 10, 15 years has been um, a, a much stronger emphasis on the non-gaming portions uh, of the gaming business, uh, such as the hotels, the golf courses, the restaurants, the entertainment venues. It used to be that almost all of the revenues were uh, derived from the gaming floor, and we've seen that trend uh, change to now um, actually, in Las Vegas, uh, more than half of the uh, casino's revenues are from all of the non-gaming amenities. Yeah, so what has it meant uh, for San Carlos? Have you uh, watched your non-gaming uh, uh, revenues continue to grow? Yes, we've uh, we've experienced that same trend, maybe not quite to the same degree as, as some of the Las Vegas properties, but uh, um, our our uh, competitive edge, I guess, is that we are much more than just a casino. Uh, we are a true destination resort. We have a 147-room hotel. We have an 18-hole PGA-quality golf course, RV park, a special event center for, for rodeos and equestrian events, musical concerts. We've got a high-end steakhouse and then a convenience store, a gas station, smoke shop. So tell us a little bit about uh, now. This is in Arizona. Clearly, um, is it is Arizona uh, a key state for gaming? Help us understand for those of us not uh, well aware of where gaming resides today and where where it does not. Are there other casinos you're competing against? Uh, yeah, gaming is is very very popular in the state of Arizona. Um, each state uh, kind of does their own thing. Some states have only Native American gaming, uh, which is the case of Arizona and uh, also uh, Wisconsin, where I spent quite a bit of time. Uh, some states have a combination of both commercial and tribal casinos, uh, such as, say, uh, the state of Iowa, where I last came from, uh, has both tribal and commercial. And then there are some states, such as New Jersey and, and Nevada, uh, where it's commercial only. So each, each state kind of does their own thing, but uh, uh, gaming is very, very popular in the state of Arizona. The Apache Reservation, the San Carlos Apache Reservation, is is pretty good size. I want to say it's at least uh, 12,000 uh, square miles. Tell us, what are the key metrics, then, that you're paying close attention to as a finance leader of a gaming enterprise? Uh, certainly uh, the total revenue drop uh, for the previous day, uh, total coin-in on the slot machines. Uh, so coin-in, every time you... You know, pull the handle or press the button, that's additional coin in. Uh, so you may originally start off with an investment of, of, say, $20 into that slot machine, but you may play that $20 over the course of an hour and accumulate, you know, hundreds of dollars of coin in. So coin in is a very important metric. 
Um, we look at the win per unit per day on slot machines, and and the majority of the gaming revenue is still coming from slot machines. That's pretty much uh, universal across the country. Uh, you know, slot machines account for by far the highest percentage of the gaming revenues, as opposed to uh, table games, blackjack, poker, bingo, uh, keno, or uh, other uh, you know gaming uh, other games. Um, and then, of course, we look at uh, key metrics for our hotel um, as far as, uh, you know, room utilization as well. And when do you get that type of visibility? How often? Uh, they're produced on a daily basis, uh, usually by about uh, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we have all the figures in from the previous day. Uh, the count team uh, goes uh, out on the floor. Typically, uh, most casinos will end their gaming day uh, somewhere between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., and then the count team uh, goes out on the floor and, and drops all the uh, uh, the money from all the slot machines and the ATM machines and, and then starts counting it up. Um, typically, that'll take them, you know, a few hours. And uh, as soon as those numbers are available, uh, then uh, they're, of course, uh, you know, communicated throughout the organization. What, is, what surprised you here as, as far as how you're, you spend your day? what you don't do anymore or what you do uh, compared to your earlier tour of duty? Well, it's a, it's a, um, it's a highly regulated industry. Actually, I went from one highly regulated industry being in healthcare uh, to another. I, I had no clue as to how highly regulated uh, casinos were and, and actually tribal casinos, uh, unlike uh, what you might might intuitively think uh, tribal casinos are regulated even more heavily than uh, their commercial uh, counterparts. Uh, we answer on a, on a local level. Every tribal casino has a tribal gaming regulatory office uh, that you answer to. Uh, you answer on a state level to the state uh, department of gaming, and then you answer on a federal level to the uh, National Indian Gaming Commission. So um, it's highly regulated. Uh, we have uh, uh, very comprehensive internal controls uh, that pretty much uh, you know regulate uh, exactly what's done and when and how uh, in every single department throughout the casino, and, and a casino just has an amazing amount of of different departments and, and components to the business, whether it be security and surveillance and table games and food and beverage and players club and marketing and of course all you know IT and accounting and. Uh, revenue audit uh, is a subset of the finance department uh, for casinos, uh, so it's a it's a very dynamic, uh, a very interesting business. Now we ta- you mentioned the hotel business. You mentioned how revenue is growing in other areas other than gaming for a lot of the resorts out there. Often the hotels are really to accommodate the gamblers, the high rollers, whoever, however you characterize them. It's not as if you make a lot of money on, on the uh, the hotel rooms because it's about accommodating your your better customers. Or how would you uh, explain it to us? No, that's uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Um, all of the uh, amenities to a casino, whether it be the hotel or the restaurants or the golf course are really um, they you know you hope that they at least break even make a little bit of money although food and beverage never does um, but they are you know almost loss leaders uh, their whole purpose is is to impact have a positive financial impact on the gaming floor so you know you mentioned the hotel ideally a casino hotel you want it to be a dormitory uh, for your high-end slot players 
Um, it's not just, you know, room utilization and average daily room rates are, are not as important as uh, the impact of the gaming floor. So running a casino hotel is very, very different than running a non-casino hotel. So tell us a little bit about your arrival and a challenge that uh, you've addressed. Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, especially maybe more in the tribal gaming organizations, uh, a lot of your department heads are, are not real savvy financial types. So one of the things uh, I, I, I saw right away is we had this very, very comprehensive, detailed uh, weekly statistics report. And it was several pages long and gave both the daily figures, weekly, quarterly, month-to-date, life-to-date, year-to-date, um, just breaking everything down by individual departments, by different shifts. Most casinos operate three shifts, day, swing, and grave. Um, and it was just a, a tremendous amount of information. And I looked at that right away, and I thought my first immediate reaction was analysis paralysis. Um, we need to come up with something much simpler to communicate information more effectively and more quickly to department heads that that are, are just not, you know, strong financial people that, uh, that have either the, the knowledge or the interest in, in reading a seven-page report. Uh, so basically what we came up with um, is speedometer gauges, and, and we just selected the most important KPIs, key performance indicators, that we wanted our, our department heads and general managers uh, to focus on. Uh, and just using the simple, you know, the three universal traffic stoplight colors, red, yellow, and green on the speedometer, so we defined red as being bad or, or anything, you know, that was 10% below the target, uh, yellow is kind of the cautionary middle zone where you're below your target but you're within 10%. And green, of course, is good or anything above the target. So then we simplified and picked just the, the most most important KPIs for the business. And we produced uh, on a single page, uh, we had four speedometer gauges. And, and, and people could look at that instantly uh, just with the visual color, uh, no you know, how well they're doing. And, and we thought that that was, you know, really a, a big change and an important change in, in communicating and, and arming our, our uh, senior managers with uh, the important information they needed. We're kind of burying the lead here from a finance uh, perspective. I should have asked this up front. Uh, no taxes. Is that right? Or... Uh... Technically, there's no taxes at all. Uh, tribally owned uh, business enterprises don't pay state or federal income taxes. However, the states, uh, in order to operate and run a tribal gaming organization, you have to enter into a compact, uh, an agreement with that state. And the compact uh, has gaming fees. Uh, so the gaming fees are based on, on you know, uh, level of revenues, and uh, as you make more money, obviously those rates increase, and uh, so those tax, those gaming fees are the equivalent of, of income taxes. Technically, they're not income taxes; they're gaming fees. Uh, but the tribal casinos pay just as much in these gaming fees to the states that they operate under uh, than than probably most corporations uh, pay income taxes. Really? Was that always the case, or has it grown? Uh, has these fees grown over time? Um, they've probably grown over time a little bit uh, as as the Native American casinos 
uh, be, became, you know, grew much larger, became more sophisticated and, and started making more money. Uh, so when it comes to compact renewal time, obviously the state wants a, a larger piece of that pie. Are there certain circumstances where the, the you know the numbers just don't work anymore because the fees are getting just too high and it's I would imagine uh, it's unlikely there, there's still plenty of money. Um, however, you know the one interesting thing happened uh, during the Great Recession. Uh, prior to that, uh, prior to you know around 2008 or so, there was always a a, a statement made that gaming was recession proof. Uh, but the Great Recession uh, definitely proved that to be a myth. Um, and uh, casinos are, are not an automatic lock to make money uh, and to have a positive profit. Um, you know, this this uh, industry is very, very labor-intensive, and uh, obviously during t- times of bad economy, uh, people have less discretionary money to spend, and that does impact the casinos. So uh, most casinos across the country are, are still are certainly very profitable and and have a higher uh, uh, you know profit margin than than say what I used to see in the in the healthcare world, but uh, uh, it's not an automatic anymore. Casinos play uh, an important role in, in many parts of the country as an employer. They they give jobs where sometimes they're hard to find. Um, is that the case here with this enterprise? And uh, tell us a little bit about the the local uh, economy. Uh, yeah, it, very much so. Uh, we're the uh, second largest employer in in our county here. Uh, we're in a little bit more of a remote area of Arizona, surrounded by mountains. We're about an hour and a half. Uh, uh, east of, of the of Phoenix uh, of the Valley, and uh, so so we do uh, generate uh, and create a lot of jobs for people, and uh, and that's very very important. Of course, one of the goals of any tribal uh, tribally owned enterprise is to employ as many tribal owner uh, tribal members as possible, and, and we've done a very good job of that. Seventy four percent of our employment uh, are tribal members. From the time you first arrived there, what was it that set this role apart, this operation apart, really, from all others you had um, been part of? Like I said, you know, the profit margin was certainly much healthier, um, and the amount of cash that you're dealing with um, is is just enormous because um, it's, it's mostly a cash business. Uh, you have some credit card. Uh, usage uh, in the hotel and in your restaurants, uh, but the majority uh, of the business is, is, you know, all through cash. Uh, unlike most, uh, I suppose, non-gaming businesses where you know you send out an invoice and you've got your receivables and uh, and money comes in via check or or ACH or what have you, uh, but here you're just dealing with a you know a tremendous amount of cash. So I guess that surprised me a little bit. Um, I mean, it just makes sense, um, but you know, to actually walk into the cage vault and, and see the amount of cash, you know, millions of dollars on hand, uh, you know, just kind of took me by surprise a little bit. And the best practices that oversee that sort of cash management, casino cash management, best practices, uh, is finance oversee that, or is that really a uh, an area all to itself? Uh, one would imagine it's a always a key concern. It is an area by itself, uh, typically that falls under the CAGE uh, department, uh, but CAGE then in turn still falls under the finance umbrella. So the CFO, 
you know, oversees and still has oversight for, for that area as well. Who is uh who is the the head of the cage? Would that would that be a title we're familiar with in in typical finance world? Well, uh, no, I mean it's specific to the cage. It's the director of cage operations. For someone who uh, might be accepting a role inside the management of a tribal casino, tell us something about uh, the nature of these organizations and how they're managed. Uh, you know, Native American casinos are, are pretty much like family businesses. Um, and if you have a family business, who do you want to be in, in the positions, uh, you know, holding the most power and authority? You want a family member. Um, so uh, tribal casinos are, are, are very much like family businesses. So it, it's a very different uh, environment, a different culture uh, than corporate America. Uh, it's probably not for everyone. Um, but, uh, uh, but it is, it is interesting. It's very dynamic and it's very rewarding to see where, where the profits go. Um, the tribal casinos make a lot of money and money goes back into the tribe and then it's used for, you know, all sorts of, whether it's education or healthcare, uh, for seniors, uh, cultural, um, you know, and other social programs, housing. Um, so it, it is very rewarding to see uh, how the money gets spent and, and what it's used for. Uh, often the tribes call uh, the tribal casinos uh, their new buffalo. Um, so, you know, it, it's very different. Now we now enter the mentoring round where it's intended to help inspire and mentor future finance leaders. Kurt, what's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Um you know, just the, the use of technology, of course. Um, you know, I, I started in a day I'm old enough to remember uh, the pre-PC era where everything was, you know, done on paper and, and longhand. And, and then when PCs came about and, and spreadsheets uh, started to be introduced. And um, so, you know, and that uh, technology just continues to evolve today with, you know, computing on the cloud and, uh, you know, it's just amazing, uh, you know, to see how that technology impacts, uh, the, you know, the finance and, and on the business side too. For like the gaming side, you know, we're seeing more more uh, skill based or interactive games as opposed to just the the old one arm bandits of the past where you just um, you know pull the handle and hope for the best. And and now you're seeing, like I said, um, you know, an attempt to probably uh, target the millennials more. Uh, so you're seeing that. Uh, you know, the skill-based or interactive features uh, being incorporated and then looking to, you know, offer the games on, on tablets and, and even smartphones these days. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? Um, I think, uh, I guess if somebody, if, if they would have told me or uh, given me the advice that, you know, if you want to climb up the corporate ladder, um, just basically how important your social uh, interaction, public speaking skills are to your success. Um, it's not just about the numbers. It's not about your computer abilities. You know, public speaking is, is not a natural ability. Um, like, like most business skills, it needs to be taught and it requires a lot of practice. Uh, so as you move up that corporate ladder, you really need to develop and, and hone, you know, your, your public, your, your public speaking skills. As well as your social interaction skills, and and that's something uh, you know as an entry level accountant, 
I mean, you're all about the numbers. You're all about the tax codes. You're all about, uh, you know, being a computer power user. Um, but, but if you really want to evolve beyond being just a, just an accountant, you really need to, to focus on the, on the social and, and public side of things. So what personal habit do you believe has contributed to your professional success? Um, you know, planning. Uh, I've always been a big planner. I, I love to to make lists, and 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 I always have. You know, long before my professional career ever started, whether it was, uh, you know, in 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 high school and college, and planning for tests and projects, and uh, or or weekend activities, or going on vacation and making lists and planning that I you know, got everything covered and. Um, you know, I've just always been a big planner and, uh, and, and certainly as you get into, um, management levels uh, in the finance, uh, uh, industry, uh, uh, being a good planner is, is incredibly important. On this next question uh, requires us to have a full disclosure here. The folks at the accounting house CBiz first connected us with Kurt because you had won or were a finalist in their annual Behind the Numbers contest, which highlights the unique and diverse hobbies of CFOs. So what exactly is it that you do after 5 p.m. these days? Um, I'm a competitive meat eater. I, uh, my personal record is a 240-ounce or 15-pound prime rib, and... Uh, I'm on TV every uh, every month. Uh, there's three different reruns uh, that, are, that appear on the Travel Channel. Uh, the most recent one is the uh, 50 Best Steakhouses in America, and uh, number nine on that list is the Ward's House of Prime uh, downtown high-end steak restaurant in Milwaukee. And uh, there I ate 128 ounce ri- uh, prime rib, which is the largest they ever served. So they ended up putting it on the menu, and they named it after me. And they called it the Holy Schmidt. <laughs> and to think I almost didn't ask the question. I actually believe I may have seen the segment, or, or maybe another one. Holy Schmidt. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Um, priority one is identifying uh, which capital expenditures will produce the greatest ROI to the resort. Um, we have a lot of needs. Uh, we need uh, the latest, uh, the newest, latest and greatest slot machines on the floor. Uh, the hotel's getting a, a little old. Uh, we need to do some renovations there. Um, so it's basically identifying all of the different uh, capital expenditure projects and then trying to uh, do the calculations and analysis on, on which ones will pro- provide the greatest ROI since, you know, the capital 
that we have available is certainly you know not uh, unlimited. So uh, the ROI is is the key there, um, and also uh, you know kind of almost the same area is working closer with the marketing department to assist them in, in spending their more their money more wisely, and, and ultimately again it goes back to ROI. Uh, so on every single advertising and promotional dollar we spend, you know, where are we going to get the best ROI for that? You know, to, you know, to reinvest in the right customers and, and the right form of advertising, you know, is, is obviously critical uh, to our success. Um, and unique to, uh, Apache Gold right now, uh, as far as a priority as a finance leader here, we're, we're in the process of building a second casino. Uh, so one of my top priorities is closely monitoring the dollars that are being spent uh, on that construction budget to make sure that the project uh, uh, stays within budget and on schedule. Kurt Schmidt, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. You're very welcome. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's listener's choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends... We just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening. <laughs>